You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What's up, guys? This is Jessica, normally from the Geeks Watch, and I'm here with John. Hey. Also, yeah, also normally from the Geeks Watch and other things, too. We all kind of jump around. But this is our first project that we're doing together. And yes. it's the first episode. Yeah. Give us give us some slack. First episode. It's been a rough week, but we're going to launch this. It's going to be VHS Gems, which is a show that... I think Mitch, Chris, and Angela did back in the start of Geekly, um, where they basically, you watch those VHS movies of your childhood, and you kind of see if they're, if they live up to your nostalgia, or, or if they don't, and also we're going to talk about some facts and trivia about the movie, and kind of maybe a where are they now kind of thing, for especially for child actors, because this one had some interesting child actors in it. Spoiler alert, a lot of them are dead now. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I was like, wait a minute, I didn't read that. Like, <laughs> um, So the first movie that we got to watch, which I pulled this out, I've like, I don't know why I went over the top with this. I like put them in like a little treasure chest on these little crunched up post-it notes and I pulled out a random one. And the first one we got was actually one of my choices, um, The Indian in the Cupboard which is a movie that came out in 1995, so I was, like, five years old, and apparently I watched this movie a lot, and I never understood why. <laughs> and I watched it again, I still don't understood, understand why I watched this movie so much. Had you ever watched <laughs> this movie before? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of the book. I remember reading the book in, like, fifth or sixth grade. Um, by the time this movie came around, I mean, I was a little bit older. I was 14 around the time this came out. Yeah. Um but this thing had one of my uh, at this point this is in the dark times uh, of Lucasfilm so there was a surprise cameo in this movie that just was worth the price of admission well, I mean was it a surprise though when Frank Oz was directing it though I mean at 15 I wasn't really keeping an eye out for that back then Oh, okay. it was more so- like I, I didn't really even know what else he'd done at that time because I wasn't quite as into film I mean later of course uh, things came together I was like oh he was this person and he did that and he also directed mm-hmm. this other movie and was the voice of this one and this one and all that other stuff that came later oh yeah yeah that's true so so Frank Oz, for audience members that may not know, is a puppeteer, and he's, I mean, I'm, John probably knows him really well as, like, Yoda, but he also does puppeteering for, like, Sesame Street and the Muppets and a couple other things, and yeah. now he does directing, and one of my favorite bits in the trivia on IMDb for this was that he, like, straight up was like, I don't know why, like, I don't think I should have directed a child's movie. <laughs> <laughs> he did a great job, that. though. 
it it was fairly well directed. There were a few shots that I was like, why? <laughs> why is this uh, happening? The, the hamster ball? <laughs> yeah, the hamster... Oh, the hamster ball was kind of... That was nuts. rough. <laughs> yeah. So you read the books. I didn't read the books. I probably didn't know they were books at the time. But yeah, this mm. is based off of a book series um, called... The, In- the first one's Indian Cupboard and then kind of goes on from there i think there's five books now i think at the time when they made this there were three books and it was planned to do a trilogy for this but they ended up it didn't do that great so they ended up just dropping the doing the trilogy or any more movies and this is the only movie we got although i don't feel like it feels incomplete though it had a arc i would say yeah, pretty much. Um, they, I, I only remember reading one of the other books in the series, and I don't know exactly which one it was at this point. I want to say it was Return of the Indian, um, which was the second one. The second, um, yeah. Just to kind of rattle them off, it was uh, uh, besides Indian in the Cupboard, then there was Return of the Indian, The Secret of the Indian, The Mystery of the Cupboard, and The Key to the Indian. Um, I know that at some point they figure out that the magic key works both ways. Besides summoning plastic figures, they also realize they can send themselves backwards to like the time frame of the characters. Um, and yeah, it, it just gets pretty nuts from there. But um, yeah, that's about as far as I got. I think maybe it was the second one. And I don't think I've touched those books in going on three decades now. Wow, wow. really aging myself there, but... I mean, it's been a while. I think the first book came out the same year I was born, as a matter of fact, 1980. So it's a 40-year-old story at this point. Hmm. And the books, I think, from what I understood, did really well. They got a few awards and were fairly popular when they came out. They were like required reading at my school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's such an interesting concept to like stick a toy in a cupboard that you get from your brother and then the toy comes to life. And no explanation for it ever, yeah. as far as I know. Zero explanation. Well, I yes. think the books do, because I think I saw something about in the fourth book you learn about an ancestor. But we're just talking about the movie. His grandmother was a witch. That's what it was. was his grandma? Oh, was it? Is it? She was a witch. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was something like that. Some magical something or another for some reason. Um, so the Indian in the cupboard starts out with this young boy probably like 10 named omri and he's played by hal scardino which is i I don't think he did a lot he did like a few movies around the time nothing that i really knew and then later on he becomes it seems like he became a producer for some movies like in these last few years yeah, I think this was his only real starring role, as far as I can tell. He just had, did a bunch of bit parts in other movies. Um, he was working somewhat consistently, but yeah, it looks like he just did a lot more behind-the-scenes stuff, which happens with a lot of child actors. They decide they don't like being in front of the camera, but they still like the business. And yeah, just I mean, take that, on. that and child actors, I think especially boys have issues when it comes to like going through puberty. Where they, like, just kind of drop off the radar for a bit and then, like, come back after they've gone through all their change. <laughs> like, this is, like, and, I've, like, I've noticed that with other things. It's also a big thing with singers, too. Like, once their voice changes, they're just going to disappear for those few years and then come back with a whole new baritone voice or something. Um, but he seems to have come back and taken more of, like, a 
standoff, like, producing role. But, yeah. On his birthday, he gets a skateboard, and then also Mom shoves a bunch of safety helmets and gear to him. And he also gets an old cupboard that one of his teenage brothers found somewhere and cleaned up. And... But And it has a lock on it, but it didn't come with a key. But thankfully, Mom apparently collects old keys, and she found one that works on the lock. And then while he's out, not skateboarding on his new skateboarding, just hanging out in a skate park, not skateboarding, um, his friend Patrick gives him a small toy Indian figurine. And... And because, what did Patrick say? He said something like, oh, because he reminded me of you, which I thought was such a weird forced line. (laughs) Yeah, and if I was going to make the obvious joke, I'm like, that should have been the other way around. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah, Patrick, yeah. um, Omri is very white, and Patrick is of some ethnicity. It's like actual Indian, not Native American. Yeah, actual India. Which, yeah, this is another thing. This is not a politically correct terminology for the little Indian figurine. You later on find out he's an Iroquois, um, Native American from I think the mid seventeen hundreds. I wrote it down somewhere. Seventeen ninety one is what they said. That was it ninety one. Yeah. Well, they said they were fighting the French. Okay, but anyway, they Omri like. Of course, later on, puts his new little toy in his new little cupboard and locks it in and goes to bed. And you find out he's, like, afraid of the dark and all these young childish things and needs to sleep with his door open and everything. Which is important, I suppose. Because that was the other thing was a lot of this stuff just seems very forced. Yeah, he he has tons of toys and he has places for them. Why this particular Indian be put in the cupboard there's no reason he just does it yeah Yeah. just it's it's just there and he locks it up and then he wakes up the next morning to the scene when i was a kid watching this this scene always scared me and i always fast forwarded through this part where he opens the cupboard and the indian toy is alive and he's he gets stabbed in the finger. I don't know why that scared me. I don't, and now I'm watching it as an adult, and I'm like, it is pretty, not climactic, but it's a little bit tension building. Like he just walks all slow, and the music kind of rises. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess I could get why this scared me when I was a kid, but <laughs> or that, or I just never wanted to be stabbed, which is a very logical. Yeah, yeah. I'd always imagine that that felt like getting like your blood sugar tested on your fingertip. Yeah. And that's not a pleasant feeling, so I, c- I can understand. <laughs> no, and then it's, like, what happens after that? Like, he they he tries to, like, talk to um, the Indian, which you find out he's an Iroquois then, and his name is Little Bear. I think that's when you mm. find that out. No, just uh, as an aside, his real name, apparently, is the actor goes by the name Light uh, Lightfoot. Ah. And somehow in my brain, I 
like combined Little Bear and Lightfoot and called them Littlefoot. Little. But I was like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> no, that's, that's that's wrong. That's the dinosaur from uh, Land Before Time. Land Before Time. Oh man, but, I should add but, that into but our it was treasure just, chest. It was wrecking my brain though. I was like, why am I calling him Littlefoot? I know it's Little Something or Foot Something, but it's not Littlefoot. And it turns out his real name is Lightfoot, and his character's mm-hmm. name is Little Bear. So yes, mystery solved. Which- which I did see the actor Lightfoot was in, what was it, some of the Mortal Kombats, I think. Yeah, he was in the second Mortal Kombat movie. He played the Native American character, Big Shocker, um, mm-hmm. Nightwolf, who has exactly yeah. one scene. And all he does is play the role of the mystical uh, Native American that guides the main character on his spiritual journey has no real other impact on the plot whatsoever. I think he comes into that one scene and is gone, and he's forgotten about completely by the end. Ah, uh, well. But yay for diversity. Did, yeah, that's true. And I did see him also in House of Cards, but I do not remember his character in that. And But I only watched, I think, like three seasons of House of Cards, so. I haven't touched that series at all. I probably won't now. Thanks for to Mr. Spacey but uh, uh, speaking of just the people who are in this movie the Mm -hmm. cowboy really really looked familiar and I couldn't Uh figure out who he was so I just looked up his IMDB his real name is David Keith um, which would probably screw with me because there's a different actor named Keith David he was the voice of Goliath and Gargoyles and the the Arbiter in in Halo, he's been yeah. in a lot of things. Oh, you watched uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. He played Childs. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, his name is Keith David, and I always get them mixed up, but now I remember, okay, like, so David Keith is this guy, and Keith David mm-hmm. is Goliath. But anyway, this guy mm-hmm. is uh, no stranger now to comic book movies. He played Matt Murdock's father in Daredevil. So he was the uh, the boxer father of Ben Affleck's character in the first Daredevil movie. Oh, okay, the first one. Oh, man, I haven't seen that one in quite a while. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not? Yeah. Well, I'm sure the guys of Journey into Mystery for Geekly that Ian and Mitch will eventually get to Oh, yeah, I, I think that's going to be one of their <laughs> later ones. If they're yeah. going chronological, which I think they are. Yeah, so that'll be a fun one for them to talk about. But um let's see so after i think my one of my favorite parts of the whole movie happens a little after this when he gets so excited realizing he can bring toys to life he just decides to bring six of them to life yeah. and it's just a chaotic mess well and it's not just that though it's, it's who he brings back to life that really mm-hmm. sold it for me now in oh, the yeah. i don't remember in the book if he did it again with just random toys i think this might have been made up just for the movie um, uh-huh. specifically the characters that were involved. But uh, I, I touched up on it earlier. So this was 95. So we haven't had any new Star Wars movies since 83. We had uh-huh. like those made-for-TV Ewok movies, and um, we had a couple of animated series like Droids, uh, but nothing real Star Wars related. And of course, you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan. You also really mm-hmm. like Star Wars. Uh, but you kind of came into a time where you started to grow up with it more in your life. Whereas I was kind of like, okay, that happened when I was really little. And now it's just kind of like a big void. Yeah. So around this time, I think Lucas was planning to kind of start sowing the seeds of Star Wars again into the public consciousness. Because I remember distinctly around this time, not only did Darth Vader make an appearance in this movie. 
there was also an Energizer commercial that featured Darth Vader. And you have to oh, YouTube okay. it if you have never seen it. It's really stupid, but kind of funny. Um, I think it takes place during the Battle of Bespin between Luke and Vader. Um, when they're right. in that red and blue carbon freezing chamber. And then Darth Vader's lightsaber starts to go out. Like, it's just flickering like a flashlight that's dying. Oh, I so, think I do remember this. <laughs> yeah, he unscrews the bottom, and it's like like no-name brand batteries. And, like, <laughs> ten years prior to Revenge of the Sith, he did the no. Like, that's technically, I want to say it's technically canon, because it's been referenced before. Okay. He, he shouts no for having bad batteries, and he's not able to defeat the Energizer Bunny. But yeah, that and this little cameo. So he puts in a Darth Vader, um, some kind of a soldier figure. I think it was a G.I. Joe. Uh, yeah, a T-Rex. A T-Rex specifically is supposedly the T-Rex from Jurassic Park toys. I want to I say it was Jurassic Park, but it didn't specifically look like it. But Jurassic Park was out by this point, so to yeah, say that it wasn't think, a reference. I thought I read in the trivia somewhere that it was a Jurassic Park that came out, in, like a toy that came out around 1993 or something like that. Well, makes sense. Then yeah. we also had two Star Wars characters. It was like a Ferengi and a Kardashian and a... Star Trek, you mean? Star Trek, yes. What did I say? Yeah, you said Star Wars. Star Wars again? Well, yeah. um, well, that's not. <laughs> I gotta turn in my nerd card then. And <laughs> RoboCop was the final one. Yeah, RoboCop, and they're so, all they just—they're just fighting I each like, other because that's what they do. That's what they do. I know. I I really I feel like one of them should have been sensible to be like, wait, what is happening? Like. Maybe I shouldn't be fighting right now, but then I'm thinking back to those movies and like, you know what? No, maybe not. Not necessarily no, the, intelligent. Those those were all. I mean, they were all very conflict-driven characters. <laughs> you know, they know how to solve. They they all have weapons and they know how to shoot things or slice things up. Um, I mean, I can't believe the T Rex. The T Rex is a T Rex. It's you know, you thrust it into this weird situation, probably pulled it out of the it's Triassic just... period. What's it gonna do? You know, like it's but. I don't know. I think RoboCop, at the very least, should have read people their Miranda rights first before he started shooting. <laughs> that, that went against character for sure, you know? Um, yeah, Vader, that's true. Vader's Vader. He resolves conflicts with uh, lightsabers, his, his aggressive negotiations, as he likes to call them. Yeah. That, that and then, true. yeah, those Star Trek aliens, I mean, they're all bad. That, yeah, it's just a good, funny scene. And he just slams it shut and be like, okay, never mind. Um, the other thing that he <laughs> finds out, too, at the time is that it works. It just turns anything plastic into a realistic version of it. So he puts, like, a little toy plastic teepee in it. And it becomes cloth, I guess, for Little or Bear to sleep in that whatever. night. Yeah. Which Little Bear is not happy about. He's, uh, yeah. yeah, what is this? We don't use these. <laughs> No, we don't use these. And he, later on, um, Omri gives him some supplies and tools in order for Little Bear to build what the Iroquois actually live in, which is, like, these, like, wooden huts, I guess. I can't remember what he called it, a longhouse or something like long, that. Longhouses. Yeah, where it had, like, a nice wooden frame, and then it, I assume it's animal skins that normally go around it, but I think he got, like, thick paper cardboard or something to yeah. go around it in this case. And it had a skylight, which I don't know if that was a, a reference to the fact that they were building an actual skylight to their own house or 
apartment, whatever that was. I don't it had to be their house, right? You can't just build skylight in your apartment complex. Yeah, it had to be a house. Oh, also, this does take place in Brooklyn, New York. So they have like mm. a nice two-story, I can't remember, like, you know, those houses that are right on top of each other. Basically. What they call them, and duplexes or something? Yeah, duplexes, something like that. I, I don't know. I don't live in a city. But um, yeah, but I th- that was the most random side plot going on was the teenagers trying to convince dad to put in a skylight. Like, is that a thing teenagers actually wish for? And then, <laughs> well, not only that, but later on when the skylight's actually built, you see one of them just kind of laying under it, just staring up at the sky through it. Like, wow, he's really committing to this skylight thing. Like, <laughs> I okay? I like, don't know. I, I, guess i want to say maybe they were in the pot smoking age and they just wanted it for like a quick way for it to just kind of dissipate maybe but this was a pretty wholesome movie overall i'm just trying to inject my own experience into it now oh no yeah they're pretty pretty nice older brothers which also very importantly one of them has a pet rat that i don't even think has a name it's just very important that there is a pet rat yeah, because it's going to create some very obvious conflict later on. Yes. Um, so, eventually you learn that Little Bear is seemingly... Like, this was the most interesting thing to me rewatching it, because I don't think I realized it when I was a kid, was that Little Bear actually had a really complex life. Like, it wasn't like he was just a toy brought to life. It was like he was a person brought forward in time. Like, yeah. this actual Iroquois used to exist named Little Bear. Because he had, like, a dead wife and child and <laughs> and was on yeah. a hunting trip with his nephew. And I'm like, well, so we're a what, toy. What you come to find out is that, yes, that's exactly what was happening. It was pulling, like, somebody's spirit, like, some actual person that mm-hmm. closestly matched whatever the inanimate object was and, you know, brought it forward. So, like, you see also a medic at one point. Um, yeah, and he talks all about like, oh wow, a ninja, and I've read about you, and he just keeps doing like the most stereotypical things, like how, and um, yeah, so yeah. This this what... medic was, I'm pretty sure from what he was describing, was a World War One medic, so battling because I think he mentions like you just sit and wait until the battle begins, which is like basically how trench battles were during World War I. Um, yeah. And he was fighting against Germans. So Yeah, he had one of those 10-penny helmets uh, that's very, like, World War One British-looking. Yeah. Um, which, the Tommy medic was played by Steve Coogan, who is in a bunch of other films, but also more oh, yeah. impor- importantly is also Octavius from the Night at Museum trilogy, in which he also plays a tiny figurine brought to life. So Yeah, he plays a Roman soldier, I think. Yes, Octavius is a Roman commander, and he befriends the, uh, oh, what's his name? He befriends one of the, the Owens brothers. Played by, yeah, one, one of the Owens brothers. It's uh, not Luke. Who's the other one? Will? Will. Yes, Owen. Will. Owen. Owen. Yeah. yeah, Owen. I don't know. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> I'm not uh, the yeah. one who's good with names. <laughs> no, that's that's the one. You got it. Uh, okay. Yeah, and those guys become friends. And that one, uh, Owen Wilson is the the cowboy. And in this one, we have uh, again the uh, what's his name? It said Keith David 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 Keith. David Keith. He plays the yes. the cowboy in this one. 
Um, and it's important to point out they're from different time periods because this one is from Texas, so he's from later on in the timeline. Yeah. Um, but he was from um, 1879, Texas. I did write him down. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, Little Bear was from 1761, so before uh, 61. Yeah, so before, before the American Revolution, the United States. Yeah, before the Revolution, which would have been the time when the colonies were fighting against the French. So the French Indian so, War. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. History, people. We're very prepared history. with it. History. I know. Um, I meant to look up all the history. I also meant to look up a lot about the Iroquois, and I did not have time to look up that much stuff. So I ended up just looking up trivia on the movie. Woo. It's, uh, and, and for now, I think that that can be forgiven. <laughs> yeah, maybe later on. But I just this movie train. I like like the thing about this movie is that it seems to be really trying to teach children like a really important lesson about like differences and stuff, and it just kind of sort of falls just like a little flat, or doesn't take it as serious as it should. Which is, like, very much a 1995 kids movies, whereas kids movies nowadays, like, you get the message. It's sick in there, and you're crying and everything, but... Oh, yeah. No, you yeah. know what's what's surprising about this movie to me upon this rewatch, because, um, again, I haven't seen this since probably around 95, is how, overall, how sanitized it really is. Like, there's no real conflict. I mean, there's the possibility of the of little bear or the cowboy character dying because they get hurt mm-hmm. a couple times but yeah. there's no real super conflict overall like well, the kid- even before the cowboy character is introduced um Omri takes another native american toy from a figurine set and it's this old older gentleman no, older native american guy i don't i don't know if he was an iroquois as well or another tribe but um and he brings him to life and the guy panics and has a heart attack and dies and that and although you kind of get a scene later on where like little bear is like oh you are a child like you're not some god or spirit or anything like you're just a child like playing a game like, you get kind of that, but the, you never see... Like, I feel like if I did that, like, I'd be devastated. Like, I would know, like, I killed that guy. Like, I killed that guy <laughs> bringing him to life and scaring him. But Omri's just kind of like, well, let's yeah. just turn him back into plastic and bury him. <laughs> like, I dude, think you it, just murdered someone. <laughs> it didn't really dawn on him. I think he kind of thought of it kind of like if a pet, like, goldfish had died. I was like, yeah. oh, no. That sucks. Okay, yeah. you know, like it just didn't really set in the the finality of it. Um, but yeah, you do get some interesting kind of cultural things in there, as far as uh, you know how the Iroquois in general, you know, treat things with respect. You know, like mm-hmm. he does the thing where he goes hunting for a deer that he had Omri uh, bring to him, like animate for him. And yeah. he does like a you know a ceremony of you know thanks for you know his mm-hmm. his giving his carcass and everything, and um, he talks about how you know you have to bury the dead, and he says why are you afraid of him? He's 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 dead now. Like what's he going to do to you? And you know Omri, you know with his more Western, more modern take on it is like, oh no, it's a dead body. Like that's 
so wrong. Like we're not supposed to see these, you know, like somebody else takes care of this. So yeah, that was interesting that. Yeah. And like later on, you get that scene where he kicks the rat ball and the, the force in which he kicked that poor rat and that ball and the stairs it fell down. That rat is dead, by the you, way. You never see the rat be okay. It's, it ends no. with the, the ball spinning and the, the rat's just kind of like clinging to the wall of the inside of the ball through inertia. But no, that, that thing's like That's, firmly no, dead. It's, it's, it's gone. And there's some other rat later on that's been living in the house. Oh, like, oh my god, like, that's that was so violent. <laughs> After he just had that lesson about, like, don't shock people to death. <laughs> like, just you know, speaking of that, rat. that specific incident where he's in the, uh, in under the floorboards trying to rescue the key, because we get through some other plot details where one of the brothers is, like, mad at him, so he hides mm-hmm. the, 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 the cupboard, and then the key gets lost, and then you find out the key's under the floorboards. And then he, the little bear goes under the floorboards to get it, but then the rat's also down there. Um, I think 15-year-old me back then kind of wanted more of that miniature man versus giant regular monsters. Like, it wasn't uh, in the budget. <laughs> like, yeah, like I, I just remember, like I like Incredible Shrinking Man. Like One of my favorite scenes is when he's fighting, like, just a regular house spider, but it looks like a giant tarantula to his perspective. Uh, uh-huh. Things like that. It was like, oh, man, I kind of hoped way back when that we would get stuff like that. But now, as I'm older, I'm like, you know, I'm glad that things weren't worse than they were. Because yeah. it's, it's it sets up such an innocent environment that for anything drastic or intense like that just feels wrong and out of place. I mean, like, the Omri gets bullied by some other kid that barely looks bigger than him. And, like, the worst thing that happens is he gets a little scrape on his elbow. And I was thinking, like, oh, man, I hope he's okay. He looked like he was pretty shooken up by that. And I was like, was it, like in a different movie, like, it could have been so much worse. And here, like, it wasn't that bad. This is definitely, well, like... Even then, just, like, watching it and... Where he's like 10 years old in Brooklyn, New York, and he's like, I can go to the store by myself, Dad. And I was like, this would never fly nowadays. And we have cell phones nowadays. Like, I couldn't imagine being a parent back then and not <laughs> knowing where your child was constantly. <laughs> like, it's just like, or being able no. to like check in on them or like a, GPS track them. It was a whole different time back then. Was, Kids would come home, like they'd have a key to the house, and they'd be by themselves until like seven or eight. Probably something yeah. that they could warm up in the microwave and watch cartoons. Yeah, like the age of like eight, and nowadays has considered child neglect. So, like, yeah, yeah. But which I don't remember the parents or the brothers being that prominent in the book. I always remember them. Uh, if anything, they were just kind of in the background, mentioned here and there. But here, there's a lot of interaction with, like, the grown-ups and with his uh, older siblings, too. Which, I guess, is to add a little bit more of that tension. Like, he's got a secret he needs to keep. And, you know, got to make sure that they don't mess with what he's got going on. Yeah. Like I said, overall, there's there's not a lot of conflict here. No, not really. I mean, the the other conflict you get with Omri is with his friend Patrick actually finding out the truth. Which, basically... um, Omri doesn't really help keeping it secret in that he's, like, writing a journal about it at school that he shares, which is also another one of my favorite scenes where he's telling the story about how he's brought this 
Iroquois little bear to life or whatever. And the teacher's like, yeah, that's that's awesome. Very imaginative. And then you see his friend Patrick just like pop up like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> are you serious? Is this real? <laughs> And it turns out it is real, which I guess does create a bit of a tension between the two of them because he, Omri, has to kind of learn that there's responsibility that goes along with this. As soon as Patrick finds out this can happen, he just wants to start doing it. Yeah, he's really like, I am God now, and I'm going to bring back all the things, and I want this cowboy to be real. And just So that's where Boone comes in is Patrick sort of like Omri's trying to be like no we can't just bring people to life like we've got to be responsible this comes with great responsibility you know every great power comes with great responsibility spider-man I've heard there. that before but yeah. um, but um and the the other thing like Omri went to go talk to somebody and Patrick's mom was like oh Patrick's always so defiant and then you just get that Omri understands what Patrick's mom is saying and understands what defiant means and instantly is like Patrick's gonna bring back the cowboy alive and he runs up to his room and sure enough Patrick had just brought Boone and his horse alive and which I mean that's the one character you want to bring alive when you already have like an Iroquois Indian alive in your room as well is yeah let's go ahead and introduce a cowboy to the mix from Texas I mean why not right they they go together like uh, peanut butter and jelly yeah <laughs> Um, so Patrick wants the cowboy or Boone for himself, basically. So you get this. So, but Omri's like, I'll give it to him, him to you at school the next day. And he kind of locks Boone in a little shelf and goes to sleep. And sure enough, Boone gets out of the shelf and Omri wakes up to him and Little Bear having a fight. With Boone's gun, which does actually work, and Little Bear, Little Bear's little bow and arrow, which eventually Omri just picks up Boone by the back and sets him up high where he can't do any damage. But yeah, that happened so many times. I was like, nope, you guys are getting time out. And he always picks him up by the scruff and yeah. sets him apart. I did like that detail, by the way. I don't remember. I think that was in the books too. Where he would put in different characters in, or different toys to take away something that they have, like one of their accessories. Oh, he yeah, puts in a knight funny. and takes away his like battle axe because uh, Little Bear needed a hatchet to like help with, with building of his yeah. uh, log house. And uh, I, um, I think that's where the lesson falls short, though, because Omri is like, this comes with great responsibility, and even though like he straight up was stealing from people, like. <laughs> That knight could have been in the battle for his life, and he just took his weapon from him. He's going to send him back unarmed. <laughs> Poor knight. I wonder if he makes it. <laughs> I don't know. It's, but, oh, just, man. Like, that idea is so cool, though, of, like, bringing stuff yeah. back. I would so totally do that. I'd be super oh, yeah. irresponsible with it. Yeah, I feel like... I, I don't know. I don't know... I probably would not be as irresponsible with it. I mean, when I play, like, those role-playing video games, I still always make the right choices instead of being super evil. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, like, gosh. making the choices I would make. <laughs> if we had, like, a whole Dungeons & Dragons meets Indian in the cupboard, everybody puts their party's, like, character in there and then make them live out the actual adventure. Oh, that would, that would be so cool, but so twisted and awesome. Yes. Yes, it would. 
that would that would be actually pretty fun. But then I'd be so sad when they die. <laughs> I already am sad when they die or get hurt or anything. <laughs> well, <laughs> when see, my thankfully, almost died. I was devastated. <laughs> we we haven't had one of those uh, DMs though that um, will actually take your character sheet and rip it if your character dies. It's like, nope, this one doesn't exist anymore. You can re-roll or I don't know, do some other shenanigans. But there's some people that are really sticklers for that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I've only had one DM so far, but I hope I don't get one like that because honestly, I, I'm already going to use my Dungeons Dragons character in a book. But like, you oh. know, okay, tangent yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> so the the whole thing is that Omri is trying to like keep this a secret from his family, and then he does things that is just so obvious that he's keeping a secret. And that can't come out even more than when he's walking to school with his fanny pack with Boone and Little Bear inside, walking at a snail's pace. And his mom's just like, yeah, you're just being weird. <laughs> My mom would have given me, like, I would be investigated over why I was acting so <laughs> weird. Like, that would not have flown. I was like, you want something healthy for breakfast? What's wrong with you? Yeah, like what's yeah basically like what's going on like even if i say something slightly weird or just run a hand through my hair a certain way my mom's like are you okay what's going on like, <laughs> nothing <laughs> but just i was like no i'm was, not hiding some incredible secret i know there's nothing in this fanny pack that i can't jostle too much and i think that would be a question like what is in there that you can't jostle? like are you carrying a glass figurine in your fanny pack right now like what is happening and then of course, yeah. Pat, yeah, Patrick gets the fanny pack later on and almost ruins everything. Which this was, from what I could tell, the actor who plays Patrick, which I cannot remember his name, nor did I write it down. This was his only film that is I it saw. Really? I think so. It uh, looks like his name is Rishi Bhatt, and yeah. you are correct. It looks like he doesn't have many other credits. It's uh, pretty rare that that happens. Yeah kind of do something or other but yeah that's literally his only thing yep and his mom i can't remember his mom's actress name but i know she was in one of my favorite shows timeless which got which is like a three season show that i absolutely loved but that would I think be that's what Sa- i recognized her from sakina joffrey this looks like it's her name also mm-hmm. was in house of cards the mindy project mr robot and those are the main ones but I don't recognize her from any of these because I don't really watch those. Yeah. Oh, she was in busy- Soul. Oh, right. She did a voice in Soul. She played a doctor. That's all it says. Ah, uh, right. I do. I thought I did recognize her voice in there. Um. But yeah, Patrick kind of sort of almost ruins things and they almost get caught. But the other thing that happens... During a class presentation, there Boone and Little Bear are listening in inside the little fanny packet pouch, and they have a bonding moment over both having dead wives. So <laughs> there's that, because I guess that's what bonds anybody is having a similar background in a way. Right? It's yeah. more about what you have in common than what you have different. Yeah, which is later on pretty much destroyed after a weird moment but there's also a recurring theme of uh, little bear saying i need a wife <laughs> like several points throughout 
And it was like, okay, well, I'll get you like a figurine. And he said, well, no, my mom's supposed to pick my wife for me. And Omri's like, well, she's not here. Well, and then uh, Boone's like, hey, well, while we're on the subject, I could also use a wife. <laughs> I could also use a wife. I was like, oh. Yeah, which when Omri actually does get a little female Native American figurine, then the little bear's like, well, I don't even know her. <laughs> Like, oh, like, this you is want gonna a wife be the only not? way. Yeah, this is only gonna be the only way you can stay in this position and then get a wife. Um, but later on, oh, they almost get caught because they're acting suspicious, and then you get that really awkward scene of Omri just yelling, "They're plastic! They're plastic!" into a fanny pack way too many times than necessary for, <laughs> for Little Bear and Boone to realize they need to pretend to be stock still plastic figurines which they do a relatively good job of it yeah no they do they do a great job of being that still and patrick then stays the night and this is when you find out that the cupboard is missing yes i think yeah one of the brothers hides the cupboard because Omri hit the hamster ball. I think is what yeah. it was. Which didn't make any sense for Omri to do that because at least the rat is in a ball when it's in the ball and therefore... <laughs> yeah, I can't like, gnaw at you... somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and... But the key... The most important thing is the key is missing and the cupboard doesn't work without that key so they can't i can't remember why they needed to bring well, somebody back to life or anything i can't remember why oh they they, were like, they needed they needed a medic because little bear shot boone with a bow and arrow after they were yeah. watching a cowboy and indian movie oh, yeah well and i, I thought even a- before even before that though they were like they wanted to do something with it so I think they were going to send them back. They were like, yeah, we need oh, to Oh, like, maybe that's what it was. Anymore. They were going to send them back and then that didn't work out because they needed to find the key and they were going to wait till they could look for other keys that his mom collects. Um, and until then, they were going to go ahead and watch some Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue. <laughs> Which, by the way, <laughs> it, it confused me when the movie started. There was that, you know parental warning this movie has some scenes of sexual dancing or something like that and uh-huh. i was like what where yep. like i i could not remember what they were talking about because i figured girls, that would have stuck girls. out to me and i was like oh okay motley crew yeah that makes sense which boone is watching and clearly enjoying it but also saying this is just grotesque like this is not right <laughs> like you're still watching it boone you still are like, they're, they're showing a little too much <laughs> yep and they, for whatever reason, switched the TV to a scene of a bunch of Native Americans getting shot up. And, of course, Little Bear is, like, freaking out. And I don't know why. Like, for the life of me, I was like, did they lose the remote? Did something happen that they can't change it? When you see Little Bear freaking out, you think you'd be like, oh, maybe we should stop watching this. But no, they keep it on. And meanwhile, Boone, even though he's now formed a sort of relationship with Little Bear, is like, yeah, that's the Apaches, you know, kill them all, boys. And Boone shoots his gun up in the air and Little Bear goes and shoots him with a bow and arrow. Well, shoots him with an arrow. 
And now we really need that key for for Boone because Boone has been hit right below his heart with an arrow in a very dramatic fashion as well. Yeah, he even does like a very stereotypical like Western like I've been shot or whatever hit like. Well, it was is little bear, amigo, and then he like <laughs> falls forward off of because he's he was sitting on um, Patrick's knee as they were like laying in the bed, so Patrick's knee is up and he falls yeah. off of the knee. He just falls straight down. I was like, damn! Yeah, just, like if the like, arrow didn't kill him, that fall should have. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, blankets. I guess soft landing. Yeah. It's like landing into twenty feet of snow or whatever, but. That'd be a lot of snow, damn. Yeah, it would be, but it happens. But yeah. um, so they desperately need the medic, and they find the key. Oh no! And then they find out. Mom tells them that the rat is loose for some reason. So because he didn't have his under, ball. Yeah, yeah, he hit his ball. And it's under the floorboard in his room specifically. So naturally you get the scene of Little Bear having to go in to get the key under the floorboards and then see the rat, which we did not unfortunately get to see the fight between Little Bear and the rat. And then he gets the key and they get Tommy to come back to life, the medic to come back to life, and he saves Boone. And then that is when Omri finally realizes, okay, we need to put these people back where they belong in their past lives, in their current lives. Not in the future. (laughs) No. Although I wonder what would happen. I mean, I guess I'm thinking too much about it now, but (laughs) we established that putting in, um, you know, the Indian and the cowboy brought back real people. Who was being brought back when they put in, like, Darth Vader and RoboCop? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That like, part of, like, didn't, I I wish I hadn't just thought of that right now, because now it's bugging me. <laughs> do you think it's, like, the actors, like, actually becoming? <laughs> I, 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 I don't, don't know. Because he had a, Maybe... he, his lightsaber worked. I mean, that's what you should have done. You should have put, like, a life-size lightsaber replica and then put that in there and made it real, not like a little toy version. See, that's that's all the I missed opportunities with these kids not having imagination. Yeah, that is true. I probably would have, I probably would have done that. I would have put those. <laughs> you could have put a wizard wand in there and made it real. Oh, that would have. That yeah, that's too cool. powerful. You can't have that kind of magic in the world. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, the book did come out. Did it come out before Star Wars? When did it came out, out came out the same year as Empire Strikes Back, so they okay. were aware. They knew about so, it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean the author like really watched Star Wars or anything. I mean, I, I don't know. but I'd like to believe she was there opening day. Yeah, it definitely is a plot issue. Because if you're going to have <laughs> real-life people come back with these figurines, like what... What if it's not a real life person? If it's like the alien from Alien or oh, yeah, there the you go. thing from Thing or <laughs> Or like yeah, like those aliens from Star Trek. You know, those two are not real yeah. people. And I would think that if it was the actors that somehow got put in there 
Oh, that would be mm-hmm. an interesting idea too. What if you put in like a like an Obama doll in there? Would it make it a miniature Wait. Obama? <laughs> no, just kind of jumping ahead Obamas. a little bit. That'd be too. It's kind of jumping forward a little bit. Uh, I do remember from one of the other books in the series that I read is that when mm-hmm. Omri figures out that he can go into like Littlefoot's time or Little Bear's time, see, I just yeah. did it again. Um, it, the magic is with the key, not the cupboard. So wherever you lock with the key is what turns it into a vessel for this kind of weird transportation thing that it does. So. Oh. They later get like a footlocker that's just big enough for Omri to like climb in on. And, you know, when they lock it and then reopen it, he's still in there, but he's like just completely unconscious. He's like in a coma. And meanwhile, his spirit like materializes and he has a body and everything. So he's not possessing a miniature in a different time frame. Like his entire being is now there, I think, is what it was. That's not quite equal. It's yeah no it's the rules don't Magic, really make a lot though. of sense like I would have to go back and reread these or get at least the synopsis on Wikipedia to find out if they ever explain what that is because um, I would think at the very least you should probably switch places with like at, as as stupid as an example as this is I feel like <laughs> Ninja Turtles Part Three probably had a better version of that with the time traveling lamp or whatever that was. Where you switch bodies with like somebody, so that like, kind of makes sense. Yeah, because that it's, makes it's, a lot more sense than because you just mat- materialize or yeah, that or because like also he'd be jumping through time and space as opposed to just time. So there's also the thought of time travel where you stay in one spot. So, like, the the original time-traveling novel, The Time Machine, works in the fact that the machine, the time travels around the machine. The machine stays in the same spot that it is in. It doesn't travel through space, so it doesn't move anywhere. It's just going fast-forward or rewind within time. Um, But this is a time and space seeming one. Yeah, it just... It just plucks you from, like, wherever. It, it seems kind of random. Like, I don't know if there's meant to be any kind of real logic to it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it just grabs whoever. I mean, like, we had that World War One medic who was fighting in, like, the trench warfare. Then you mm-hmm. had the Iroquois who was, um, I forget where his particular area was, but I'm guessing it was somewhere in, like, the Kentucky area, if I remember correctly. I could be butchering that, but it's somewhere kind of closer to where the colonies were whereas obviously boone was from texas so it just kind of seems like it could be anyone anywhere in the world um yeah whereas at least when it's you know little bear and boone they have like a figurine to be in and like the other thing is i wonder if they even actually look like that vessel like if boone actually although he said his horse because his horse came with him too. That was the other thing. Yeah. The horse came with him, and the horse. Uh, so it's it. It's definitely probably not a plot that we should be digging into. No, for no, no, definitely. It's not. definitely a like just a ex machina kind of like. Yep, just but, accept it. It's a kids' book. What are you gonna do? <laughs> but but damn it, I want to find out. <laughs> you want? I I am actually was almost curious because I looked up the books. I kind of 
am curious to kind of sort of read them. And I mean, they're kids' books. So I could read them pretty quickly. But oh, yeah, yeah. Just... They're, they're a breeze. Yeah. I do have a lot of other readings to do for my Love of Pages podcast, though. So <laughs> we'll see if I have time. I'll see. Actually, I'll see if they're at my library. I don't know if I want to buy them. I'll see if they're available at my local library. But, I mean, yeah, yeah they, they'd have to be. Yeah, probably. I mean, they were really well known. They're probably still there. Um, so after the sleepover and everything that happens, Boone ends up being okay. Thankfully, missed the heart and lung. And Omri decides it's time to send them back. And so after a slightly kind of sort of overly dramatic goodbye Actually, maybe not even quite dramatic enough. Goodbye. Um, he sends them back. They do extra cool poses as he does it. And he goes back to school the next day and dis- gives his little journal presentation and explains that he he misses his little bear, but little bear will basically always be in his heart. And then you have this really way too long scene of Omri just staring slightly off camera and seeming kind of sad, but then smiling at the end. And that scene really <laughs> was just kind of cheesy, I guess. But that maybe was that the was, moment. <laughs> yeah, that that was like just like. And then he learned things, and he smiled because he learned things. Like that's what it felt like. It just felt a little forced of an ending, or maybe it was just like thirty seconds too long of looking at this kid's face. I don't know, but. Now, I remember, like, a sort of a difference from the book. I could be misremembering it. But I, I thought that in the book, Little Bear was kind of a little bit more of a prick to Omri. Oh, really? Uh, like, in this one, like, he, he at first he's like, oh, you must be a god. And then as he figures out, oh, no, you're just a child and you're dealing with things that you don't understand either. Mm-hmm. He still kind of takes everything pretty well for the most part. Um, yeah, I think in the books he was a little more surely about things like how dare you take me away from my home who are you why are you doing this kind of mentality and I think when he gets to that point where he's like oh you are just a child he just becomes kind of like super bossy it's like okay so if you're a child that means you're beneath me in the order like the pecking order even though you're bigger like you do what I say and Omri just kind of goes along with it because he, you know, at the same time also feels guilty that Little Bear was in this predicament to begin with. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just remember that there was a little more tension and a little bit more animosity. Things change eventually where like they kind of ease up with each other and they do learn and all that good stuff. But yeah, it didn't start off that way, I remember. I thought it was a little yeah. bit more conflict between them just because the, there was the confusion and all that other stuff. But I really like that Little Bear does, in fact, seem to have, you know, because, you know, belief in spirits and so on. He's able to mm-hmm. kind of deal with it relatively quickly. And just because, like, okay, spirits are doing this. This is magic. Yeah. Okay, let's let's uh, continue from here. Whereas if this happened to, like, a normal person with, like, a modern-day mentality, they'd probably go nah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't, yeah. honestly. But, <laughs> no, I am. But I'm one of those people that I'm, like, so many things aren't explained that who am I to say that magic isn't real kind of thing. So I'd probably be like, mm, magic's real. Cool. Knew it. Boom. Like Now how to figure out to use this to my advantage. I know. Right? 
That'd be the but, next step. Yeah, and you do you do also, I guess I kind of talked over, you get the scene of Little Bear saying, like, you're my nephew-ness. And, oh, I forgot the line, the... Right before he says goodbye to Little Bear, Little Bear's like, are my people still great? Or something like that. And Omri's just kind of like, yes, your people are great. But, like, not so good things happen. <laughs> Which is just a great way to just kind of brush over just the utter abuse that the colonies and that the United States did to the Iroquois and other native tribes. Like, it's just kind of like, yeah, you guys are great. You guys are totally great. But, like, just, just be careful. Like, just, like, I don't know what to... Like, that was... And that's where I get, like, maybe this wasn't the right film to teach this lesson of... But, again, that's how you treat history when you're in elementary school, too, is, like... Yeah, I remember you, you learning really about... You sanitized version. Yeah, learning about, like, I think the trial... Uh, the Trail of Tears. And it's literally, like, in the history books, it's like, and then they said the Native Americans could live in these plots of lands. And they took them there, and that's where they stayed. And then later on in, like, high school and college, you're like, and then they utterly brutalized them and forced them to leave their homes and all this. And I'm like, oh, that's not how I learned it originally. History sucks, but no, yeah, the truth you, hurts, I guess. You find out some, uh, yeah, yeah, Lizzo was right. Yeah. Um, it's uh, <laughs> That was a great way to kind of brush over it, though. I was like... Your people are still cool. Things that happen to you, not so much. It's been real, you know. <laughs> it's been real. Bye. <laughs> just, says, good luck with me. all that. That's that's kind of what it felt like. Uh, but uh, you know, good luck with with how you're about to be treated. Bye. Like, you couldn't you couldn't have given him anything though to like help out. You couldn't have been like, oh hey, <laughs> don't go to this place, or like hey, don't trust this person when they come to. No, it's just. He would have Not been like, hey, 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 Little Bear, you know what manifest mes- destiny means? And he would have been like, no. It's like, okay, cool. Okay, cool. Don't look it up. <laughs> Don't look it up. <laughs> it's just... And I guess that's where, I guess I'm used to, like, those kids' shows and movies nowadays that are so set and, like, teaching kids the reality of the world. And, like, I mean, the latest Disney Pixar movie was all about death, like, <laughs> just straight up about death like and the afterlife and stuff like that which is yeah and having a will to live kind of thing and just not really sugarcoating things i mean kids can understand the message to it well i mean there was a time where i mean i remember watching all dogs go to heaven in a theater and just being utterly devastated by that movie. <laughs> so that, is true. that one was pretty. Oh, I like that one. I think I liked the second one more, though. Actually, I like the second oh, one more. I didn't realize it, it was the... a sequel. Oh, uh, dude, I'll go because I have two. Yes, no, go actually, watch it. I remember I'm there was put a... it in our gems. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I definitely have to get caught up with my Don Bluth movies. Um, I don't think I ever saw. Let me see, there was American Tale, then Five Will Goes West. And then was there another one after that? I feel like there was, but it wasn't good. Like a direct-to-video? 
I know there was like six or seven Land Before Time sequels, and they oh, each got... Oh, there is a lot more than six or seven now. There's like 14 or 15. It's, like, I it... think they still made one like two years ago. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, those I dinosaurs think... need to turn into oil already. Like, that's... It's enough. <laughs> How many more? And then I do remember they got incrementally worse with each new sequel. I think I stopped I like... at around the fourth one, because I was like, I can't do this anymore. These are awful. I think... It's the sixth one that introduces the baby T Rex that they befriend, and it I was like until that was the, the sixth one I like. I think it was the sixth. I don't oh, know. Wow. I'm not for sure. I can't remember. I don't think I ever watched them in order, and I feel like that's another one where I like the second one more than the first one, but mainly because the first one was too sad for me to like it. So, yeah, yeah, that Let's one's pretty like, rough. Watch the one that doesn't have the scene with his mom dying. <laughs> And then the sleep gets crushed, and that was like his connection to his mother, and then it was gone, and they had to let learn to let go. Oh no! <laughs> I guess I guess there is some sadness in kids' movies, but it's mainly the animated ones. It seems. Actually, nowadays in general, it's the animated ones. But then I guess well, Bridge to Terabitha, which is another one based off of a book. Fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That. Wow. Ah. I cried so much watching yeah, that movie. No. That is not going to be on our list, by no. the way, ever. No. If Just... there's like a list of banned movies, that should be on it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's never okay to ban anything that's creative content, but at the same time, I'm never watching that movie Let's again. just make it really inaccessible then. <laughs> yeah, that one and... Um... Oh, I can't remember the one... That was, like, before that. I think it was, like, in 80s, maybe early 90s, where the, the boy dies of, I think, a bee allergy. Oh, my girl? Huh? Are you talking about my girl? I, my girl, yeah. I think it is my girl. <laughs> and yeah, she has that... Uh... Yeah, she name? does the glass. Uh, he's not wearing Macaulay his Culkin. glasses. How is he going to see? Yeah, how yeah, is he going to yeah. see without his glasses? Every time, I'm like, oh my god, I'm like who wrote this? Why would you do that? That was uh, Anna Klumsky. <laughs> that movie one had I'll never watch again. Oh, uh, that movie had a lot of good people in it, though. I think it had Jamie Lee Curtis as the mom and Dan Aykroyd as the dad. I think so. I mean, it's a good movie. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, even yeah. Brisha Tarabitha is a good movie. It's just. <laughs> Now, that one I do I'm like the sequel more because it doesn't have all that horrible child death. Um, plus, the character was a little older, so she's exploring like a different aspect of you know life at that point. You know, yeah. teen crushes and so on. But mm-hmm. yeah, that first one was ugh. Like I hate it. See, and that's the thing: Bridge to Terabithia and My Girl were both marketed as like feel good, fun family movies. Yeah, I think that's why I watched Bridge to Terabithia. I think I watched this movie. Like, I had a sick day, and whenever I had a sick day, I would rent a movie or watch a movie I hadn't seen, and because it looked so happy-go-lucky, I watched this movie, and I never read the book, and I didn't know anything about it, and then it gets to that scene, and you're just like, wait, what just happened? Like, what just happened? Why am I crying? Like, what is this? This did not need to happen. I don't need to, what? Emotional manipulation at its worst. Yeah, basically. And you're just like, what the heck? Pretty What's bad. the lesson here? Never again. Yeah, never again. But anyway, that's pretty much the Indian in the cupboard. Yeah, um, they all decide to go back. And uh, 
I think the only interesting thing of note towards that last scene is that Boone asks, when we go back, will we be right where we left off or will will time have passed? Like, he was essentially asking if time passes in real time between the moment that he leaves his area um, or not. And they leave that kind of open. And he says, well, I hope time passed. I'm not sure why. Um, but I think it's a situation where they, they do go back to where they left off. It's almost like no real time has passed for them. Like if, Even if though anything, it'd be the opposite for Omri, because if his body is seen in a coma... Again, See, no, the, we're the logic go is... down a hole that we should not go the, the logic is kind of flawed there. It could be like, well, there's different rules for something coming in than something going out. Or if where is even like the body that they inhabit? Like, are they taking over someone else? What is going on? That's not clear. So, yeah, I don't know. That's. I, I think the rest of the series would definitely warrant a read just to be up on it. I might even mm-hmm. do that myself and uh, do a follow up one of these one of these <laughs> days. Be like, hey, so yeah, we visited Indian in the cupboard for no particular reason. I actually yeah. did that a couple years ago with uh, Wrinkle in Time. You know what? Doesn't hold up. Not like I remember it as a kid. Aww. I haven't read that one since I was a kid either. So yeah, and I thought it's... about rereading it. Of course, when the Disney did the movie, I haven't even watched the movie yet because I heard it didn't do good. And I watched the movie. And I would recommend it only for some of the visuals because they are kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's not a good adaptation, I think. It's um, That's not fun. Some of the character choices that they decided to do were kind of weird. And uh, overall, I don't know. It just—it's one of those situations where, like, the book describes things in such a way that you imagine them very specifically. So when you see mm-hmm. them interpreted, like in a one eighty from what you would have thought, like uh, Oompa Loompas from Willy Wonka, the first time I ever saw um, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, that's not what I thought they looked like at all." But then the actual original version were kind of a little bit racist, so I was like, "Okay, well, Orangeman it is then." <laughs> Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, they were basically described as looking like little cavemen, basically. Huh. Yeah, it's weird. I don't think I ever read any Ronald Dahl, actually. Not even uh, James and the, the Giant Peach? No, I don't think I ever read it. Oh, I read a, um, a lot of, like, nature books. Like, I read, like, White Fang and Jack London and um, like, yeah. Hatchet. And Went through a Goosebumps. couple of those, too. Yeah. Where the wild things, what is it? Call of the Wild? Call of the Wild, yeah. I think that was my favorite for quite a while. But, yeah, I didn't read. I didn't read anything that was a movie I had seen. And I'm still kind of, I'm not as bad, but I have this thing where if if I watch the movie first, I can't read the book. Like mm. it, it just kind of ruins being able, and it's probably because like, I know how it ends. So... And it's especially bad if I really, really like, like, I will say this on here, but probably won't admit it any other podcast. But like, <laughs> I have never finished reading The Sorcerer's Stone and The Chamber of Secrets from Harry Potter oh, wow. because I watched the movies first and I've tried like five times to read them and I just get bored. <laughs> you know, even I though, say yeah, <laughs> about the, the Harry Potter series uh, film adaptations, yeah. They definitely cut out a lot of detail 
from the books. Oh, but yeah, it's definitely yeah. stuff you could have done without. Like we didn't need Hermione and her whole elf liberation side plot. That was perfectly fine not being in the in the books and in the movies rather. No, um, you did because of that last scene with Ron choosing to save the elves in the seventh book. The reason why Ron, the reason why Herm- Hermione ends up getting with Ron is that Ron is all concerned about in the last battle. He's concerned about getting the house elves out and protecting the house elves because that's what Hermione loves. And so, and then Hermione kisses him. That's why she kisses him in the book. So yes, mm. that is kind of sort of sadly important. But because I watched <laughs> the first two movies first before reading the books, I could never finish the books. I'd get like three quarters away and be like, ah, I know what happens. I'm done. <laughs> and, but like yeah. three to seven, I have read multiple times. Actually, seven I've only read once. But yeah, there we go. Anyway, the it's 50th also kind of tangent to read. of the podcast. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Indian in the Cupboard, it was directed by Frank Oz, and... We didn't say what else he directed, did we? I don't think we did, no. Because I don't know if I recognized a lot of stuff that he directed, though. His biggest movie that I'm aware of him uh, directing is Little Shop of Horrors. Oh! Okay, oh, no, I do remember, he directed... Um, Muppet Vision 3D, which is a theater show in Disney World. I think it's still, it better still be open in Disney World. But it's it's the Muppets as a 3D theater show. I mean, technically mm. it's 4D because it has smells and all that stuff. And it was oh, one of my favorite things when I was a kid. So he directed that. It's like, I don't know, a 15 minute show or something. And I was like, oh, Muppet Vision in 3D. But, oh. Um, he was definitely some of his movies would qualify as other VHS gems. He did The Dark Crystal, which now makes perfect sense. Yeah. So he's and definitely more known for puppeteering, which is interesting because there was absolutely zero puppets in this. No, See, that's where you could have gotten the scene of the rat and little bear was they could have used a giant rat puppet. <laughs> I guess so. He also did The Muppets Take Manhattan. Yeah. And then a few comedies like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, What About Bob, House Sitter, In and Out, Bowfinger, The Score. Ah, oh, Bowfinger's a top Steve Martin movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Stepford Wives, Death at a Funeral. And, uh, yeah, that was his last movie he directed personally. That was 2007. He's done one episode of the show Leverage. Uh, two documentaries, uh, Muppet Guys Talking, I'm assuming that's about working as a puppeteer, and mm-hmm. Derek Dolgadio's In and of Itself, which I have no idea what that is, but that was released last year. Huh. So he has done a bunch point of out, stuff that I like. <laughs> also should point out, he's the voice of Miss Piggy, Yoda, and Fozzie Bear. Ah. <sighs> I love all those things. <laughs> yes, he's very integral to your childhood and didn't realize it. <laughs> yes, I know. And then he made this, which after watching it, I talked to my mom because I watched it. And I was like, why did I like this when I was a kid? Because she even she told me, like, you watched it quite a bit. And then she kind of goes, I don't know why. I always thought it was weird. And she's like, but I do remember that the VHS copy that I got came with the key. And I think mm. it also came with the figuring. And she's like, I feel like because 
it came with things that I felt obligated to like the movie. <laughs> you know, that was Which always the best be when they, they yeah. when it, in the time of VHS, you didn't really have a lot of bonus features or little mm-hmm. extras. Um, yeah. I think one of the first ones I saw like that was Grease for one of its anniversary editions came with a copy of the script which by the way if you've never read the script it is so (laughs) different from the finished product you could tell they just made up a bunch of stuff on the spot or changed things wildly because there's some pretty wacky stuff in there well Grease was also a musical before it was a movie if I remember correctly and the music yes musicals not dramatically different but it's pretty different from it's very different tone yeah it's like a little more serious yeah but uh, yeah, there was uh, Indian in the cupboard. Did in fact come with, I believe, the key and the Indian figurine, yep. um, and uh, and it made me feel obligated to try to like the movie, which is why I watched it so much, even though I fast forwarded through the scary scenes. <laughs> or the- I'll have to look into it someday. I wonder if they still have those as like collectibles on eBay. I should sort of look VHS Gems Library. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that was Indian in the Cupboard. I think anything else that stands out to you about it uh, wanted to comment on? Yeah, no. I I think that's it. Um, if people have any questions for you, John, where they where should they ask them? I will be available from now until the light is extinguished at Twitter. You can find me at Magic Bollocks. Uh, if, if you want to talk to me and not about depressing things like light <laughs> extinguishings or anything, um, you can tweet at me as at JM Bailey Wright. Um, you can also follow Geek Elite Media. They are at Geek Elite Media on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media. Uh, be sure to check out our Patreon page in which we have a lot of bonus content and stuff that you can't see. Um, on this podcast, I don't know exactly what we're going to do for bonuses for this podcast yet, but maybe possibly some live reacts to the movies that we're watching. That would be fun if I can figure out how to record that. Um, and all other fun stuff on our Patreon page, if you got some dollars to give, please. And this podcast and other podcasts that we have, including the Geeks Watch that John and I are also in, um, can be found at geekalitemedia.com. So until then, always remember to geek out. This concludes our broadcast.